Man, that first reveal always makes me think, fuck, I really should have, like, lights and fans behind me at all times, so when I open a door, it's just... <laughs> yeah. Damn, I am extremely bright today. That's that's so weird. Gain. Yeah. You... Anyways, welcome, everybody, to the Satanists on Film... Or, Jesus Christ. Hi, Satanists, Satanists on, on Film. film. <laughs> yes. Hi, Satanists on Film. Satanists on Film. We're Satanists on Cinema. We're your hosts, Satanist Cameron John and Reverend Campbell. <laughs> Satanists on Cinema is a film review and commentary series that is presented through flashbacks from an insane asylum while listening to the Carpenters. Warning! This episode may cause disorientation, memory loss, severe paranoid reaction. Oh, we're sorry about the balls. It's a lucky shot, that's all. Welcome to our review of In the Mouth of Madness. Yes. AKA one of Carpenter's best one-liner movies there is. Fuck yeah. As Not even supposed to be funny. <laughs> As proven with our intro. Fuck, I just... I was going to write them all down, and then I realized, you know what? I, I should probably just watch the movie, because I'm going to be way too focused on that, because there's so many good ones. Yeah, I, I was watching the, the film this morning again, and I just heard a line. I was like, oh my gosh, and hit pause. That's a great intro line. Oh, yeah, that's the beginning of the fucking movie, too. Yeah. That's the best part. <laughs> oh, man. It, it It is a film that quickly picks up. Like, this mm. is the premise. Let's go. Like, there's not oh, a yeah. lot of dawdling... You know, not a lot of fucking around. Uh, hi, Kate. Thank you for joining us in chat. What's up, dog? Good to see you. Looks like it's just the ladies and the dudes. So let's do what's natural and talk about satanic film. Yeah. Or maybe not satanic film in as much as H.P. Lovecraft film. And not so much H.P. Lovecraft <laughs> film as an inspired by. Eh, whatever. But, I mean, everything. You know. It's all derivative of everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. Okay, here's the log line. We're talking about In the Mouth of Madness. An insurance investigator begins discovering that the impact a horror writer's books have on its fans is more than inspirational. I, I think that's kind of a weak log line, if I'm being honest. It's, it doesn't set up the movie at all. No, it's weird. Uh, so this was released February 3rd, 1995. Wonderful 90s, everyone. It had a budget of $8 million and domestically only pulled in $8.9 million. It got lambasted in Rotten Tomatoes by critics. It is 59% rotten. And What? Yeah. Yeah. I don't get don't it. Fucking Amazon <laughs> lied to me then because it's... Oh, wait. Maybe that, that was IMDb. Just kidding. But what? Yeah. IMDb is 7.2 out of 10, which is much more in line with what it actually is. Uh, and audience scores on Rotten Tomatoes gave it 73%. So clearly... The uh, the the professionals, as it were, don't know shit. About yeah, I know. Of course, experts are dumb. Oh, we we've run into this over and over and over again with horror films. Mm -hmm. I mean, they it's like they just hate the genre, and so they're just not even going to try half the time. Well, here's what it is: they have to go to every fucking screening of everything. And this back in this day, you know, you wouldn't get screeners for shit like this. Like yeah. You actually would go to a real screening before a release um and you know you probably sit through like five six seven movies a day and chances are those critics don't like horror anyways so of course it's gonna be a shit movie and it was probably yeah. too smart for them yeah i don't know about that i mean <laughs> it's not too smart of a show uh but that no, i'm just said, calling them idiots oh yeah well that's yeah. true <laughs> clearly they're idiots if they didn't like this um you and I have spoken about this in, in virtually, I don't know, maybe every other episode we've done, but in almost all of our episodes, we bring this film up because it's just one of those great H.P. Lovecraft-inspired films that 
we both, I think, unanimously agree is the best H.P. Lovecraft film ever made. Second best, because it's not... Well, if it was an actual H.P. Lovecraft movie, then yes, it'd be number one. Yeah. but It's uh, so close, though. All of the names of Sutter Kane's books in this, the author, are all plays on H.P. Lovecraft's books. The fucking locations. The locations, the creatures, the setup, like, everything is mm-hmm. like so it, it almost makes you think he just didn't want to pay royalties that's exactly what it was <laughs> he was just like i really want to do a lovecraft film but i don't want to, have to pay anyone else mm-hmm. so i'll just fake it <laughs> that, that would be my guess and it was great <laughs> uh okay so um oh i'm sorry this is the third installment of carpenter's unofficial apocalypse trilogy preceded by The Thing and Prince of Darkness. So it's The Thing, which is brilliant, Prince of Darkness, which is great, and then this, which is brilliant. So mm-hmm. I don't... Prince Does Prince of Darkness stick out to you at all? Like, I can't... I remember watching it. I don't remember anything about it, really. Um, Yeah, I don't really remember. It's yeah. been a great long time since I've seen it. Like, The Thing, I've watched that shit recently. Yeah, that's a that's a but... every-year type film. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, especially with that Scream Factory release. It's so fucking gorgeous. Oh, I gotta see that. You gotta have me over. I'll wear my mask, yeah. I promise. Well, how are you gonna make out with me if we wear masks? That's just don't, <laughs> That's don't just be stupid. Dumb. Come on, let's let's be serious for once. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> my bad. Um so as we've been mentioning, the film pays tribute to the work of seminal horror writer H. P. Lovecraft, with many references to his stories and themes. The title is a play on Lovecraft's novella, as Dog just pointed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the Mountains of Madness and Insanity plays a great role in the film as it does in Lovecraft's fiction. Um, those from beyond don't just leave you feeling good about yourself in a cathartic <laughs> way. They drive no. you fucking insane. Like, that's just the way it works. Yeah, that's what gods do. Everybody knows that. Yeah. So Michael DeLuca wrote the script in the late 80s, gave it to Carpenter, who rejected it initially, and then ultimately just sort of came around, which I'm glad he did mm-hmm. because it's great. Um so this is directed by John Carpenter, produced by Sandy King, written by Michael DeLuca. It stars Sam Neill. Holy fuck, Sam Neill. Of all the great... I can't, I can't Sam think... Sam Neill in the 90s was just killer. You He's the best! That just destroyed. He just... Everything he did was gold. Everything. Mm. I mean, I remember him best, of course, for The Omen, final chapter. Because... Fuck yeah. Fucking the devil. I mean, the devil's great. Uh, the Antichrist is great. Um, and then, of course, like, Event Horizon was great. Yeah, one of the great. best ones out and there. And this, like, he's just such a great actor. Every time I see him, I'm just like, ooh, I gotta, I gotta watch that film. If he's in it, I, ha- I don't care if it's good or bad. Sam Neill is a go for me every time. Oh, yeah, definitely. And he's the same in almost every single role, but it doesn't <laughs> it really matter. Is. Yeah. It is, it, you, you buy it from yeah. the first second he opens his mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also Julie Carmen, uh, Jurgen Proshnow, and Charleston Heston. Charleston, Charleston, Charlton, Heston. Charleston. <laughs> I can't say this fucking guy's <laughs> name. Uh, Charlie is in this, of all weird cameos. He's not, in, he has like two scenes, but he's in it. So, mm-hmm. you know, live it, love it. Um, the music was, of course, John Carpenter is going to make a film. He's going to score a film. So he <laughs> helped do the music with Jim Lang. And it is, it's like 80s metal, but in a great. very good way. It's great. Oh, yeah. It's like, that is like the perfect bam, song to bam, open and close bam, this movie. Bam, like, it tells bam, you exactly bam, what you're going to feel. So good. Ugh. 
everything about this film is great, from the music to the set designs uh, to the, the, the practical effects. I, mm -hmm. I mean, they're just fun. I, I mean, not all of them really land, if we're being honest, but they're great still. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like one or two that are kind of like, uh, film grain definitely helps that a little. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, worn out VHS for the win in those uh, rare mm -hmm. instances. Uh, but yep, still, yep. I forgive it because everything else is hidden on all cylinders is the mm -hmm. reference I was looking for. That took me longer. I was like, all flowers? <laughs> all cakes? No, it's cylinders. I, you know what? Fuck it. I'd, I'd accept it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dead Calm. I know I've seen it, but I can't think of it. Uh, a yeah, dog is mentioning it. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, uh, Carpenter's practical effects are boss, man. He is so badass. Well, to be fair, he didn't do it. So yeah, no, it's Greg Nicotero. Artists. Greg Nicotero is fucking awesome. Yeah. You guys might have heard of him. You know, he kind of does. What's that show? Uh, uh, Creep. Uh, Fucking Zombie Land. What's the Zombie, zombie Land? land? What's the Zombie? Uh, Walking Dead. Yeah, there oh. you go. Okay. You know, he does Walking Dead. Does Creep Show. You know, everything else you've ever seen that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He's a master, and yeah. it comes through in spades. So uh, let's do a walkthrough, shall we? Do you want to do this since you just barely watched it, or yeah. <laughs> tag team it? All right. And we tag team it. That's how it usually goes, anyways. Mm-hmm. So, as we said, opening's great. Uh, starts off right as Sam Neill's being drugged into the insane, insane asylum, because words are hard today. Uh, fucking opening lines are great. He starts kicking people around, fucking gets a nut shot, gets so thrown good. into a cell, and is just freaking Sorry the fuck out. Sorry about the balls. No, I want to be in there. I know. So Sorry good. about the balls. <laughs> it was just a lucky shot. So good. Oh, so good. good. And then, uh, you know, time goes on. Some presumed, like, what, FBI guy? I don't think they ever really say. Yeah, I don't think it does either. Yeah, some... It must uh, be really bad out there if they brought you in. Yeah. Yeah, some <laughs> random guy shows up and uh, is going to, you know, find out what's going on with him and shit. So the story is essentially him telling the story of the story that he's in. That is a story. But that's a story. It's there's a whole lot of there's fucking meta shit. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh damn it! That reminds me. I was gonna paint my face for this. God damn it! Wait, how are you gonna paint your face? Like how he does with the black crayon. Oh yeah. Yes, but, yeah. I thought it would have been a whole funny. bunch of crosses. Brought me right back to the omen. It was great. Yeah. So perfect. And then it just uh, immediately starts from there. Like he's telling a story about how he got involved with Sutter Kane. Um, He's, you know, as the log line says, he's an insurance uh, person. He's an investigator for fraud and stuff. Yeah. Uh, just destroys the first client. That was so good. Like, that's that a good prime sound. fucking uh, lesser magic right there. <laughs> like, so goddamn good. Um, and then after that, you know, he goes out to lunch with the guy that's employing him because he is freelance, so he hops from firm to firm or whatever. And that's when he gets involved with Sutter Kane because his, well, it's not revealed until later. But his publisher was his, or it was yeah, his it was agent. The publisher. Right? Well, the agent was the, was the, was the, was the agent. Yeah. Agent decides to smash through the window and try to kill him, and the cops get him. Do you read Stan Kane? Yeah. What? <laughs> I love that. Did you see the cops after they shot him and put him down? It did like a quick 
like second shot of the cops, like one second long, but they were just like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like a white guy super stoked that he fucking killed a dude. I mean, fuck, he's going to get away with it, so that's cool. I was just thinking how real it is. <laughs> because that's still a thing. So that's great. That's, that's very true. That is very true. <laughs> and totally not excessive force at all. No. You know, I, I think uh, close range weapon like that one maybe two shots the dude's probably gonna drop unloaded but they fucking unloaded both of them it's a good thing they were just sitting in the coffee shop waiting too i know right it was super convenient so i mean they probably weird. spilled a little on their pants which that fucking sucks but they can yeah, put that dry clean bill oh man <laughs> yeah sorry i didn't mean to derail. <laughs> no that's your shit and then from there he gets employed uh through the publishing agency that puts out Sutter Kane's work because the author has gone missing mm -hmm. and they can't find him. They need, they have an insurance claim on him, which seems kind of fucking weird, but whatever. We're going to excuse I bet it. it's a normal thing too. Yeah. It seems like I met Stephen King's because yeah. you can do that legally. Like, like my, no, 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 I know my company doesn't even have to tell me if they put out an insurance policy on me on the off chance that something happens to me, mm -hmm. then they can just collect whatever that is. It's fucked up. But if all the, like corrupt, I don't want to go for a rant. All the no, corrupt fuck fucking companies in this country, in the world, to be fair, it is insurance all the way. They are way fucking corrupt. Sorry. Okay, we'll continue. No, that, no argument here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyways, they have an insurance or a life insurance policy on him, so they of course need to know whether he's just MIA or if he's actually dead. So they send him on a mission to find him, um, and. Uh, the fucking, I don't remember what the hell the lady was. What was she to? She was the editor. Oh, she was the editor. There we yeah. go. I just watch this, folks. I, I forget everything <laughs> real fast. It's that good of a movie. You just go, <sighs> the whole time. You just catatonic stuff. Um, so the editor persuades him to read some of Sutter Kane because he's never read any because it's garbage to him. It's just all stupid horror novels. Pulp horror, yeah. And that's where everything goes downhill. That's when he starts getting the dreams. That's when he fucking is noticing you know just how strongly this work affects other people mm -hmm. and then at that point he destroys books makes me cry a little and realizes <laughs> oh hey he's in new hampshire because it's on the book covers yeah and then goes <laughs> yeah so he he uh, confronts the publishing house he's like look this is a great scam you guys got drum up sales for his new book and all you know the, the author's missing but look i piece this together and he is right in smack dab in the middle of new england in new hampshire in this town called um hobbs end hobbs end hobbs end uh so we're just gonna go it's not on any map but we'll figure it out and so you know he goes with the editor and then that's when things start getting really weird. So not only is he experiencing these weird dreams, I mean, everyone has been saying that, like this publisher and editor specifically are saying like, look, his, his writing, Sutter Kane's writing has an effect on its readers mm -hmm. and it's not always healthy. You saw how, what his agent did. Um, so we really, we need to get this final book because this is the end of our deal and everything. They got a lot of money running on it, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, um, like the first thing that they notice is this just kid with a bicycle riding by and then immediately he's like aged a hundred years yeah. uh, in the middle of the night and then she like hits him with the car. They go back, he gets up, he's like, he makes me see and there's this ongoing theme of if you read Sutter Kane, 
you can see reality for what it mm -hmm. actually is and not the reality that we believe is reality. And that's also a theme that Sam Neill's character is constantly sort of pounding on like look his books aren't real this is reality and she brings yeah. out this great <laughs> line saying um uh if sane and insane could easily switch places uh, or sane and insane can easily switch places if insane were in the majority and so sanity and reality is just a subjective reference to the collective of the population and i thought like not only is that a super cool notion, but it's mm -hmm. pointed out much more brilliantly than uh, Lovecraft ever even attempted to, I think, because I don't mm -hmm. think he ever tried to dissect his work. He just presented it. And yeah. then um, I just thought for the context of this film, it makes perfect sense. We've already, by the time that she says that line, he's already crossed the threshold. Oh, yeah. And so it's, it's so fascinating to see how this, um, the, the madness, as it were, the, that Lovecraftian insanity madness is affecting him before he even fully realizes it. And it's deeply yeah. affecting the editor as they're trying to find this Hobbs end town. Oh yeah. Well, I think her major turning point was the actual um, like discovery of the town. Mm -hmm. Like she went through a horrible night. She went through flying in the fucking sky and all kinds of weird shit. And then yeah, poof on the other side of a bridge and then mm -hmm. turns around. And it's just teeny tiny little bridge. It was yeah. so good. The bridge itself really took me to a Stephen King place. I oh, mean, yeah. there's, there's references to Stephen King all throughout mm -hmm. this, um, but that alone, that just that idea of like the old, you know, the small town in New England mm -hmm. is very Stephen King. And so I, I did like that they were constantly trying to make bridge that connection as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, once they get there, they start realizing that this town is much more like his novels than they actually realized. And then things start getting really weird with like visual distortions that she sees in a painting and she's just already unhinged from the ride. They go well, and try the to children when they first get there. Yeah. And then the kids chasing the dog. I'm terrified of what's going to happen to that fucking dog. <laughs> yeah. Like they never, they never actually hurt it. They're just like chasing it. Like you yeah, do. They do. They cut off its leg. Oh fuck. Yeah. Okay. I blocked that out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you don't see it. It's all implied. Mm -hmm. And then you see towards the end of the film when the kids are, well, when everybody's in front of the church, yeah. uh, you notice that the dog is a tripod now. Poor dog. Yeah, poor dog. Damn kids. That's why, children of the corn, watch it and learn, okay, people? Yeah. Don't trust your children. Condoms. Everybody should wear condoms. <laughs> I forgot twice. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love my kids. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> you have to always throw that out of your parent. Because otherwise people are like, oh my lord, he's got the vapors. This this gentleman doesn't like his children. Um, they they end up going to this beautiful obelisk-styled chapel, which mm -hmm. I guess is like a real thing in Ontario. Like, it's like a real location. Yeah, that's... that's which that's blows crazy. my mind that that's a real place. But, because it looks yes. so weird, like out of there, like not North mm -hmm. America continent at all looking, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's fucking Byzantine architecture. Like, that's some old-ass shit. <laughs> okay, hold on. Dog just said in chat, the dog that played that had to be replaced. The first one just kept running off, or so she read somewhere along the way. <laughs> yeah, if you have, like, a, I, a I mob of children chasing you <laughs> from scene after scene after scene, the dog's like, fuck this noise. <laughs> 
I'm going to go get a train car or something. <laughs> I, I've seen it happen before. I think they're filming Lady in the Tramp. Fuck this. <laughs> yeah, I could totally see that. Like, why would yeah, that definitely. dog not be traumatized by that shit? It's, it's terrible. <laughs> Poor dog. Um, I'm sorry. So, yeah, you, you meet the, the innkeeper lady for the first mm -hmm. time, and you immediately know something is going to be off. But then, of course... Oh, yeah. If it's going to be inspired by Lovecraft, there's going to be some crazy shit happening. And he immediately jumps to it like, look, it can't be the same place because that nice old lady downstairs hacked up her husband in the books. So clearly he's not hacked up and dead, so it can't be real. And he's yeah. like, and if you look out this window, there's supposed to be this tall obelisk church with onion-topped chapel spires. And it's not there. And she's like, oh, you clearly didn't read it closely enough because <laughs> it's on the eastern view. Gasp, there's two windows. <laughs> So funny, but he's doing everything he can to rationalize what is happening, and she is just seeing it for what it is, slowly unraveling. Because the secret that ends up being uh, revealed right here is that they did intend for this to be a publicity stunt of Sutter Kane leaving and meeting up at a specific place and time, but he never showed. And so now they're genuinely concerned and scared and they don't know what's happening. And now that shit's getting weird and she's experiencing and seeing some very strange things and it's all sort of in line with his novels, she's starting to crack. Like seriously oh, yeah. crack. So good. She's so fucking great at that too. Like uh, yeah. just not even emoting, like saying anything, just the look in her eyes. It's like you, she's fucking selling it so well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you get a quick impression early on that uh, Sutter Kane is taking the children or at least dominating them mentally. Mm -hmm. And so they're sort of aligning themselves with him. It doesn't really explore why or anything other than it's just this evil thing to do is take people's children away from them. Um, and all the townspeople come up. Then he unleashes his Doberman pinchers on them, <laughs> which is just rude. <laughs> you could have just closed is. the door. Kind of no, just up. tell them to fucking leave. Yeah. Whatever. But they ended up leaving anyway. And because this is the epicenter of the madness, they're all experiencing their own weird stuff. It's alluded to. And then you're seeing like like body distortions. You know, a lot of the run uh, long-running themes of Lovecraft was if not possession, then you're a sort of a half-breed of mm -hmm. these sort of creatures or you're wholly, you know, created as the creatures uh, from the beyond, whatever that may be. Um and so you're seeing these humans with these mutations cropping up. Uh, and it, as the film goes on, the insanity and craziness builds uh, to a point where the editor confronts Sutter Kane one night. And uh, he reveals to her, like, look, I'm not writing this stuff. They're mm -hmm. writing it. And it yeah, cuts to this huge slimy door. And if you know Lovecraft, you know slime and shit. And, like, gateways. You know, mm -hmm. the, this is a symbolic display of these... Uh, extra dimensional gateways that are often regarded like you know whether it's someone casting a spell in order to open the gateway like you see in Dunwich Horror I think it is um, or in some other ones where it, the gateway's always been there and mm -hmm. you know you're just stumbling across it uh, that is always this really wonderful touch of Lovecraft that they, they bring into this and then you know he like comes in for this sort of moody I don't know, finger head rub to make her see reality as he's creating it. And then she like reaches behind him and there's like this entity 
face arms mm -hmm. behind him. I was just like, oh, that's so great. I love Can it. Can I just say one thing? I really <laughs> wish, I, like, I fucking love reading. Yeah. But I really wish somebody would just do that to me to make me finish a book in, like, five seconds. Yeah. Just blah, right in front of the book. And then I know the book. That'd be so cool. That would be nice. It'd be a good speed read. Um, I mean, it'd go, go insane, but whatever. Yeah. It'd still be fucking awesome. I, I have to stop and, and reference Kate here because she gives probably the greatest line of the night. I've seen enough hentai to know where this is going. <laughs> That's the secret. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> funny. Um, and so uh, she goes back and immediately tells uh, Sam Neill's character, the I can't remember his name for some reason. Yeah, I'm drunk. I just fucking watched too. it and I can't remember his goddamn um, name. Steve. Chad. Thinking of white people names. Yeah, Bob. No. There's a lot of Lukes. God damn, I'm trying to remember because he's references Sam Neill in the movie too. Anyway, we're gonna call him Sam Neill. Yeah. Um and she like goes to him like, Have you read the book? He's like, No, I'm trying to leave. Like this is all a scam. And she's <laughs> like, Don't read the book. That's insane, that's crazy. And then like he starts to like think she's insane, but then he's like seeing all the townspeople acting the way they're acting. He witnesses the insane murder of uh the uh innkeeper's husband. Yeah. And she's like morphing into this crazy tentacled creature, which is awesome. Fuck yeah. I love floppity tentacles. They're just it's so like it's 70s, 80s, and 90s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, it's just so great. It's just film. horror. God it is it. so good. <laughs> so floppy tentacles are great. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe not in the hentai way. Nope. I will still stick with tentacles are fucking fantastic. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> uh, okay, so, that being well, said... Who doesn't like tentacle porn? Like, let's be honest here. I wouldn't turn it off. For sure. Exactly. Um, okay, anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about <laughs> in the mouth of madness when uh, he tries to leave and, uh, like, she... Uh, there's, like, a whole like mob of the city people trying to stop him it seems like um is that before or after he met Sutter Kane when he like keeps revisiting trying to escape that's after yeah so he actually meets Sutter Kane because mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember how he met Sutter well, Kane well because he was uh looking for what's her bucket right uh yeah Linda there we go Linda right um and of course went into the church so that's how he met him no, he was, was it? no, he was like, he ran into a fucking pole and then he woke up in the confession booth, right? That's, that's at the end of the movie that, uh, or that's after the, the mob and the, we repeat. clearly know this film people. Yeah. I just watched, watched it. Like I totally remember multiple it. Times. This is my favorite Carpenter movie. Yeah. I remember it. Uh, okay. So uh, anyway, he meets Sutter Kane. Sutter Kane's like, look, you have to take this to society. We need you to be the messenger. You're supposed to live. If you stay here, you're going to die. So take my book and GTFO. Like, he's literally pushing him out. And then he, like, rips reality itself open and sort of becomes one with that extra-dimensional force that's breaking through the gate that he just opened by ripping it open. And the editor's like, we gotta get out of here. Come on, let's go. Well, the, the, the important part of that... It's not just, oh, you know, you have to deliver this. Like, there's no other way. He, that's when we find out that um, John Trent, that, mm. that's that's his name, mm. right? I was just looking at it and I forgot. Yeah, John Trent um, is actually a character in the book. Like, it's already right. been written, so 
he's like, hey, you've already been written to do this shit, so vamoose. And that is the entire premise of this, is that the, the more you get into the editor's interaction with Sutter Kane and Trent's interaction with Sutter Kane, is that Sutter Kane, he's writing all these novels, and it is reality, and he's foretelling the future that is to come inevitably, and that not anyone in this film has free uh, will. Like, everyone is written by Sutter Kane, and they're just experiencing it as a reader would experience it throughout the story as it's being told. And mm -hmm. so, though this is, you know, separating it at the very beginning of the film, it's a retelling of personal experience. As a film, it's a retelling of the novel through the lens of personal experience. And it's even uh, sort of cap-ended at the end of the film where they're like, well, what are you worried about? Some people don't read. And he's like, but there's going to be a feature film made too, yeah. which we are actively watching. So it like breaks this fourth wall and says, no, this is real madness. You are witnessing it. You thought you were watching a story. Hey, never ending story. Step aside because we got this new <laughs> hot take, you know? Yeah. It's great. I loved it. Sorry. N never thought about the whole never ending story. Uh, oh, really? Thing. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like, fuck, that totally is never-ending story. <laughs> the never-ending story. story. I love that. I, we gotta do that film. Oh my I, gosh. I'm down. Story's great. I'm down. I, I love that. Yeah. So good. Okay, what are we talking about? We're talking about the end of the film where um, he sees with the editor the things from beyond. Mm -hmm. And this is where practical effects, they're, just, they're always going to be better. They're just mm -hmm. always going to be better. To see them, even though you can clearly tell it's practical effects, it's 90s practical effects, so it's not as good as nowadays, it's still great. And just to see these things from beyond with their tentacles and their slime and their, you know, malformed limbs and shit, like, it's just, mm -hmm. it's everything that Lovecraft is, but no one could ever put it properly on film before. And I can't believe that this was the first one to do it proper justice, and it's not even lending, like, leaning on the, like, Lovecraft name for justification. It's crazy. But it's great. Oh, damn it. All right. We lost. Oh, are you back? All right, Anna, back. Sweet. Okay. Of course, so. as soon as we start talking about the monsters. <laughs> so what's your hot take on the monsters? I fucking love them. <laughs> just so so goddamn good and, and especially so i'm always a fan of less is more you know that if fuck like your mind is so much worse than whatever you're gonna see yeah. and it was great seeing the monsters and all that shit but getting the silhouettes at the end where they're just running through the yeah. asylum and destroying people like that shit is fucking awesome or the silhouette of uh miss pinkerman like as she's coming out all the tentacles and the axe and shit. <laughs> so Gotta good. love that shit so much. It's so good. Um, he ends up ultimately escaping after some weird time warp, like space-time wormhole continuums of car driving, lends him in the exact same place. He tries to go in the opposite direction, ends up in the exact same place. Um, mm -hmm. So he ends up waking up in, he like crashes into a, another car trying to avoid the editor. Uh, wakes up in uh, the church and Sutter Kane's like motherfucker I am God and we're going to have a, a religious conversation for a second <laughs> which was weird in the middle of the thing and then uh, Sam Neill's character is just like 
Oh yeah, and your books suck. I fucking love that. <laughs> It's like you're, you're you're yelling at God. At the end you're telling him you're a fucking thing. stupid guy. He like that's just so awesome. Clearly understanding the world is not the way he thinks it is. Mm-hmm. Everything is insane. Everything is filled with madness. And he's just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna hit this guy as hard as I can, no matter what. Your shit sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's fucking awesome. And that's just his character throughout the whole film. I mean, it's just. <laughs> He's the the straight guy in this tale of insanity, which is just so wonderful to to experience it vicariously through. Um, even to the end, he's still like you can argue he's an insane person, but there's still like glimmers of sanity as he's speaking to people from a position of them seeing him as insane, mm-hmm. which is just this really great like if you if you've never been in a situation where uh, people are just like. You're losing it. You're off the deep end. You're insane. What are you doing? And whether it's drugs or mental disorders or chemical imbalances or whatever, you have this weird third person's perspective of like you're, you're out of your body watching mm-hmm. yourself act this way. So you know that what they're saying and how they're seeing you, but you're still in this state of sort of craziness trying to explain to them that you know how they see you, but they need to see you not the way they're seeing you, but the way you're experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And there's just no way explaining that when you're on drugs or when you're crazy. And that's his, that's like the whole setup of this film is he's trying to explain to a sane person not to look at him as insane or his experience is insane, even though he is insane, mm-hmm. but to look at them through the lens of the insanity because that's the reality that he's experiencing. Super wild and crazy expl- explanation, but it's so great if you've oh, yeah. ever been in that place. And I have. <laughs> I <get it>. Yeah. <laughs> drugs are bad. <laughs> mm. So, uh, wow, that was a weird divergent track. So he ends up, uh, like insulting him and Kane's like, look, you got to leave. I don't care. Like, you got to get out. He eventually, like, is that where he just wakes up in the crossroads? Like, how does he yes. get to the crossroads? Well, I thought the cross, yes. Is it? Cause that's when he gets back to city, he gets on the bus and Sutter mm-hmm. Kane bugs him again. Cause he tries to throw yeah. out the manuscript and Sutter Kane keeps coming back saying, look, mm-hmm. stop throwing it out, dude. Take it. I, I just love the whole, and you're going to wake up, and my favorite color is blue. I mm-hmm. bet you didn't know that. Then everything's blue, and he starts screaming. <laughs> so I love his crazy scream. It's so And his crazy laugh. So good. Yeah. He's Fucking he's like a proper British actor, right? Yeah. Like, he was as far as I trained, know. like, prop, like in the old school theater mm-hmm. man. Yeah, he, he's a, yeah, theater yeah so like he he's good like Mm. what i hate about some people when they look at horror film actors they think oh that's just you know someone that can't actually be in a real movie and that's bullshit that is complete not only you know looking at the legacy of of amazing (laughs) horror actors but you know just sam neill is just one of those that he is underrated like i don't feel like people Mm -hmm. really give him the props he deserves for doing what he does he is great Mm -hmm. in everything um yeah, and, and just Agreed. screaming and the, like clutching at the pearls, the old lady next to him. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. He's, yeah. He's insane. Um, but then he gets back to the publisher and he's like, look, this is all crazy. He's like, I know it's not. You, you, you delivered the manuscript months ago. It's already yeah. been released. And he's like, stop releasing it. And he's like, I can't stop it. And he's like, well, at least. Like, this came out months ago. Yeah. Movie comes out this week. So good. So good. And then he gets taken to the asylum. Mm-hmm. And then we go full circle to the beginning of the film 
And uh, the guy interviewing him, we'll say from like Men in Black or something, mm-hmm. ends up leaving. And then there's just screams and like t- cries of terror and death and blood and you know flashing lights. And the door's open. And he just sort of walks out. And he realizes that maybe he's like one of the last people on Earth. Because the demons from the other realm came and just destroyed everything. Mm. That was great. Yeah, so you I, only get, I think there was maybe like three or four people on the street yeah. amongst all the fire and stuff in the background. So do you That's... think that because he was written to fulfill this destiny that ultimately happened, is the end of the book, which was the end of the world, is has that ended and he's just going to live on? Or is it just over because everyone's dead and he's ultimately going to die too? See, I don't know. I, I, I kind of think it's, it's not like the, an end where, you know, cataclysm happens, it's done. Yeah. Like clearly we know that's not the case because yes, a lot of people are gone, but as he's walking up to the movie theater, we see just random people walking around. And there's also that uh, PA or the the radio signal going on, you know, talking about the monsters and stuff and how to stay away from them and all that. So I I see it as more of uh, like zombie apocalypse style end of the world. And I would just imagine that him being one of the catalysts of the end of the world, he's going to be there to see everything. Hell yeah. He's like the the unfortunate witness. He's forced Mm -hmm. to live to, to witness the end. Yeah. Um, I like that a lot. This, uh, I hadn't thought about this until we were talking about this film here, but there's, is there a parallel between what JJ Abrams is doing with his Cloverfield series where they're all sort of different versions of apocalyptic events and Carpenter's Apocalypse Trilogy, which, you know, the thing was a dormant alien mm-hmm. presence that comes out and, like, destroys humanity. Prince of Darkness was the Antichrist coming out and destroying humanity. And this is, so it, it's a science fiction, it's a religious, and this is a, uh, well, I guess it's just another science fiction, but it's, like, from otherworldly beings, whether they're mm-hmm. extra-dimensional or whether they're proper demons we don't know but i don't know i I think that's interesting because like uh i guess jj abrams is all science fiction but it's it's you know it's like fucking kaiju it's Mm -hmm. alien invasion it's space time so it's sci-fi he's got three out right now so i don't know i I like the idea of these uh, these sort of creators these in in this particular case for Carpenter, these directors who take on these projects, if not, you know, help develop them, um, Mm. that say something sort of about the playful end that we can imagine to humanity. And there's this also this running theme throughout this book, uh, throughout this film, it is a book, it's real! Uh, (laughs) That um, humanity doesn't deserve... It's not real! Yeah, we don't deserve to be here. Like, Uh all Sam Neill's character is doing the whole time is saying, look, Humanity's the worst. Like, we are just mm. terrible. Like, anything, any terrible thing you can think of, people have done. And so I just don't trust humans. I think we should all just sort of end. And that's the reality that he <laughs> sees come to fruition, which is sort of poetic. Um, very. <laughs> I just, I thought that was a really great touch, too. Like, they told you the whole time 
This is what this guy is. He is here to witness the end of humanity. He's telling you why humanity should end. Mm -hmm. And all the while, he's rationalizing away why it's not actually happening as we're watching it happen right before his eyes. <laughs> like, it's just so great. Ugh. Yeah. Such a beautiful movie. What else? Anything else? <laughs> what was your favorite part of this film? Oh, God. Uh, I mean, definitely the one-liners. I probably have to say that, even though like it, it's it's nice because they don't actually take you out of the movie, mm -hmm. which usually I mean, this is a relatively straight horror movie. Um, usually the little stupid dry jokes will kind of take you out like you'll chuckle. But it's like, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but now I, I fucking love the humor in this. And the was, monsters are definitely awesome. Yeah, I was I was thinking as I was watching this again because I'd never really watched it thinking I was going to review it. I've always watched it because I enjoy the film. Um, so watching it this time, knowing we were going to be discussing it, I was looking at it differently. I was thinking, this is actually a really well-written film. Like, mm -hmm. how did the professional reviewers like give this such a negative review when it's actually written really, really well. The people who are in the situations, they all have their own personalities and they're ex ex experiencing the world that this movie is through mm -hmm. those individual personalities. They're reacting in a very honest way per the character. Like, it's a really, it's good. So yeah, yeah Sam Neill's character is a straight up smartass and he's just going to say shit off the cuff things because that's, that's who he is as a character, you know? And it worked. Why the fuck did they shit on this? Fuck like I said, I, I honestly <laughs> think this movie was too smart for them. Yeah, I think you're right. But that's, that's what it's got to be. You can't undercut horror films because they speak to social conditions that are going on, mm -hmm. social situations. They speak to the inner turmoil of the human experience. And they speak to what we imagine because we don't yet understand. And mm -hmm. there is something so honest and so exciting, sometimes hilarious and sometimes terrifying about that that horror can produce, and nothing else can some you know somehow like scratch that same itch. Mm -hmm. It's like you can't you can't just because you don't like to be scared, just sort of wave your hand and, and brush it off as being a shit genre. It's it's fucking yeah. gold. God damn it, people suck. Yeah, <laughs> we deserve to be taken by creatures from beyond. I fucking agree. Hey, <laughs> you know what? It's probably gonna fucking happen. The way this year's been going, <laughs> that would be the perfect cherry. Like, you know, I I will be Sam Neil. I will be sitting in front of my yeah. fucking TV with a bag of popcorn, just laughing my ass off. <laughs> yeah. So that's how this ends. He's wandering around outside and and just wanders into a theater. That is in the Mouth of Madness. That is the novel that he participated in ostensibly. And he's just watching himself. And he just loses it 100% at that point. No more him. He's just hysterical. So great. Um, I think my favorite part... Oh, jeez. Um, I can't... It's Everything's just... I, I love the Lovecraft notes in this. I mean, it, it just saturates the entire film. But I, I've just never witnessed it so honest and so well executed like it's either really shitty executed or it's not really lovecraft you know there's never this perfect marriage color out of space did a brilliant fucking job but until then this was the only real one that i was just like that is lovecraft 100%. oh yeah I, so, I agree 
I just I think that's that's what really really turned me on because I loved this before I ever read Lovecraft. Like I had no idea who Lovecraft was when I first saw this. I was just like, wow, that's great. This is a great monster movie. I love this concept because you know I was into occult stuff and this you know extra dimensional stuff is very very occulty um, and you know Necronomicon and stuff. So I actually read the Necronomicon and believed the Necronomicon before I ever read Lovecraft too. So how is <laughs> nice. that fucking happening? Fucking Alzheimer, how's that? I was so fucking disappointed the first time I read the ne Necronomicon because I had read a fair amount of uh, Lovecraft shit. So I'm like, oh, this is real? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what the fuck is going to be in this? And then it's like, oh, it's real. cool. <laughs> okay. So good. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay, so Kate is saying it's the primal feeling of fear that draws us in. A reminder, we used to be prey. It speaks to the little part of us that still exists, but doesn't have as big of a voice. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. right. Kate, oh, not just a hat rack. <laughs> I dig it. <laughs> um, all right, so worst. What, what's your least favorite part of this? The, um, the mask on the kid. Right. On the that fucking kills me every yeah. time because it is so clearly a mask yeah and it's just it's it's like they didn't even bother painting or anything and i and i get it yeah. the idea is to make him you know go from being a child to being in his hundreds or something right but there's like it even up close there's like zero contouring or anything and there's like deep deep grooves but there's no depth with the makeup or anything so yeah, yeah that that always is kind of like oh but I think it's doubly insulting because we see in the same film other practical effects that look great. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah, like, not what close, the, even. How the how, would you have a different team that came in after? Like, how does this even happen? Yeah. That, and it didn't even look like a guy anymore. So I was like, is that the same person? Is that an old lady? Like, I don't understand what's happening. Like, yeah, I didn't, re I didn't realize it was the same person the first time I watched it. It's just not clear enough. Just, yeah, okay. You know what? I'm with you right there. That was that had to be the worst. I was going to say vaguely some of the practical effects didn't really pay off, but this was the most glaring insult mm -hmm. uh, to everything. Yeah. Well, it's like everything else. I mean, you got to – when you watch movies like this, you do have to kind of accept that there's going to be some, you know, strings, wires, whatever. You're going to see the seams. Mm -hmm. Um so I going into it usually in movies, it's, it's like okay, whatever. There, there's going to be some shit. Like holy fuck, I watched the Frighteners last night for the first time in probably ten, fifteen years. Oh, really? That does not hold up. <laughs> well, okay, no, no. Movie holds up. The effects, yeah. and this is from Weta. Like this was the beginning of Weta. Mm. Ooh man, that was rough. <laughs> they did Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah, that's how Lord of the Rings happened. Yeah. Was That's because he, Peter Jackson's like, oh, fuck, I got all these computers. Now what? Hmm. <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. Let's do a Tolkien movie. That's wild. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk scores then. I mean, is there anything else you want to touch on before we, we do the scores? No, I think we pretty much covered everything. It's just right. fucking great film all around. All right. So what are you giving it? That's straight up four banana stickers. And we are I would say five if uh, we did if I could, but yeah, yeah no, this I'm is key string one right now for my fifth. <laughs> yeah, this is like my go-to. Okay, so I can't say this is my favorite Carpenter film because right. I technically have two. It depends on my mood, 
if I want something fun and stupid, just I want to be like, yeah, I'll watch They Live because I fucking love They Live. The rest of the time, in the mouth of madness. Wow, really? See, for me, it's got to be Thing. That is my number one. It's so terrifying. See, animals. Yep. Yeah, no, I dig it. Down for me. Yeah, I love it, but man, the the sounds. Oh God! Everyone's screaming in their chairs. They're like, "Fucking no! It's Halloween! What the fuck?" I love Halloween. Yeah, no, that goes without saying. But I would still prefer to watch this over Halloween because if I watch Halloween, then I have to watch two. I have to watch. Then I have to watch four. And how much time does one actually have? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like twenty-four hours in a day. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Four stars or four banana stickers, sorry. And yeah, Kate, I like the uh, in chat banana sticker. I gotta throw those up as one of the gifts on the YouTube channel or one of the emoji on the YouTube channel. Um, this is a brilliant film and it is of its time. So go into it thinking that if you haven't seen it yet. Um, but it holds up. It's still a wonderful film. And the fact that it is, you know, 20 years old, 15 years old, 20 years old, something, I don't know, math, but it's old. Uh, it's 25 years old. It's still a film that I regularly want to watch. Like, I think about, and then I have to watch it because I love it so much. And to think that there hasn't been a an H.P. Lovecraft film that is a straight Lovecraft film that is as good as this in fucking, you know, 100 years or whatever, then, you know, Clearly, that speaks volumes to this particular film. Well, and I, I almost, I almost wonder if the fact that it's not technically a Lovecraft film actually added freedom to it to open up like that. Because it's like they don't right. have to. Because then you stick can add the one-liners that are cheesy, which yeah. is very not Lovecraft. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, just a thought. Huh. Yeah. No, I like that idea a lot. Um. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in with us and uh, spinning the In the Mouth of Madness dreidel. <laughs> that works. Okay. Uh, we're spinning the In the Mouth of Madness dreidel together, and it's a lot of fun, and thank you guys so much for tuning in live. If you're tuning in live or listening to this after the fact, if you are, if you have not seen this film, do yourself a favor and watch it this weekend. It, it is, is so three good. bucks on Amazon if you don't own it. It is so good. It is so worth it. So check it out, uh, and until next week, uh, hail Satan. Hail Satan. Now I'm just thinking about that stupid mask. Yeah, it is pretty bad. Like it. I almost want to deduct a, a half a star for the mask alone. I actually almost did that, just because of the mask. Like yeah. that was almost as bad as shooting a fucking dog. Ugh. It's and like, especially from that, like from K and fucking B. Yeah. Like those guys, like th they picked up where Stan Winston left off. 